Well, I do want to greet you, and I'm definitely thankful to be here with you all today. We are here. There are some familiar friends, some new friends, and hopefully some future friends. Um, We are encouraged to be here. I want to greet you and thank you. I want to thank the church for being able to do this. It definitely takes work and effort and labor, and uh, we wanted to let you know how thankful we are for this. Uh, I want to start off, this isn't necessarily going to be in my, my thought, though the thought that I have prepared for has already, has already been set forth several times throughout several different messages. So, But nevertheless, I'm going to still give what I've got. I want to begin by saying this, I want to commend you older brothers and sisters in the faith. I do believe that one of a, a detrimental thing in the life of a young man that preaches the gospel is that he now he's here. So now, since the Lord's finally allowed him to do what he gets to do, that means everybody else is just pushed aside. Now, I'm not saying that younger men intentionally think that. I'm just saying that that might be the spirit that they give off. You know what I mean? Just. Here I am now, I know you've been faithful for a while, but you sit there, here I am now, and you sit and listen to me. And that's the attitude of some younger men. But I want to start off the service by commending you faithful men and brethren, you sisters, for your long years of labor, because it is very important. And the brother talked about Isaac's well, and as a result of their labor, somebody got saved that day. And I'm a recipient of a church that someone desired, I'm a recipient of grace of a church that someone desired to start here in Midwest City. As a result of that desire, I'm a partaker of that grace. Even as that woman at the well was a partaker of the Lord's grace, that he met her there, and it was the Lord that did that. Uh, Turn over to first, before I actually get into it, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to look at this and I want to further develop that thought of what I'm saying about you faithful uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord. Because we, us people that are my age, we want to let you know how important that, that you are to us. You are very important, you're very valuable and what encouragement it is to us. So this is devotional, brief devotional before we start. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, look at verses number 12 and 13. This is for those that are relatively close to my age. We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, verse number 13, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. So I wanted to tell you before I begin how thankful I am for your years of dedication, your years of faithfulness. It takes years and years and years and years of prayers, of of fastings, of giving, of preaching to build up a good testimony. But it only takes one second that can ruin it. And so I want to thank you on behalf of, of a younger person that is growing in the faith. I want to remind you that you're still very valuable. People still look up to you. 
and you are esteemed very highly for your work's sake. We want you to know that. And what a blessing and honor and privilege it is to be here with you today. All right, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. First Corinthians chapter number three. We're going to begin reading at verse number one, and then we will conclude our reading at verse number uh, fifteen. Let's stop at fifteen. So First Corinthians chapter three, verse one through down to fifteen. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. Now Paul's talking to the Corinthian church. I want to make a few brief comments as I continue reading. He's, he's dealing with a particular issue here, and he's talking about what is going on in the midst of them. Now he's talking to this specific church, but I believe that it's prevalent for us today. As we go later on, you'll understand what I mean when I say it. Verse number three, for yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. Right here, verse number 10. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereupon. But let every, let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Right here, verse number 11 is where my thought is found. But we'll continue reading after we read this verse. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation of gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble... Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now I'll conclude my reading there. But I want to take my text verse, which is going to be found in verse number 11. And that is where Paul says, For other foundation can no man lay, then that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so I want to bring a brief thought to us here today that I believe will be beneficial to us, will help us. It might not be uh, very eloquent, but I want to preach unto you a thought, and that is found in verse number 11, which would be Christ, our foundation. Christ, our foundation. So let's pray real quick and ask the Lord to help me because I do need his help and I trust that he'll bless you and I hope that he does. Our Lord, we do thank you for your love and your care. Thank you for these faithful men and women who have been faithful to the gospel's sake and paved the way for people like me. 
We're so thankful for that. We pray that they've received a spiritual blessing, that you'd help them, edify them, build them up, strengthen them, as well as all of us, Lord, we're in need. Lord, you know that I am but a feeble servant. I'm in need of your help and your, your wisdom. Lord, I can do nothing except you help me. But I want to thank you for your provision, your love, your grace. What a merciful and a powerful God you are. We pray that your saints would receive edification. We thank you for your love and your mercy. Lord, we pray that you would illuminate the heart of the sinner. Help those that are here to see Christ, we pray. And do ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so it's already been said, but I'll say it again. A lot of your, your, what I've got prepared today has already been said. And, but it's okay because if it was my message, then it wouldn't really mean much. But since it's his message, then, then that's all right. So it's, it's his message. It's, it's, it's his ministry. It's his labor. And so I want to just bring this brief thought, okay? So we're talking about Christ, our foundation. So if you look in verse 3 through 4, the Apostle Paul talks about the carnality of those that are there. He talks about the carnality of those that are there at the church of Corinth and that how there is envy and strife and division uh, over preachers. He says right here in verse number 3, For whereas there is among you envying, strife, and divisions, and it, it, was, over, it was over preachers, it was over men, it was over uh, uh, those, I believe, that had visited Corinth. Now, you see there that he talks about the main people there in, in reference to the division in taking place that is in verse 4, for while one saith, I am of Paul, and another I am of Apollos, he says, are you not carnal? In the beginning of the book, he talks about how there is one is following Peter, there is one following Paul, uh, one following Christ, and, and they were divided over, over preachers. Now, Peter, Paul, and Apollos... They were all they they were all the Lord's servants. They were they're they're all different in their abilities. They're they're not the same. They're 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 not the same. Paul did not do the same work that Peter did, and Peter did not do the same work that Apollos did. And whenever you read about Apollos, it says he was an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures. Whenever you read about Peter's life, he preached the day of Pentecost and three thousand people got saved. So they were there, and, and Paul wrote. 14 books of the New Testament. So they, the, all of these people were different in the ability, in the, in the place that God put them. And now in this church, you see that in chapter 3, he, the Apostle Paul spends the first three chapters talking about how, how that they're, they're, I guess you could say it like this, that the focus was not in the right place. And he was saying that, alluding to these people were 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 factioning off and, and grouping off and, and following off after some were saying I'm a Peter and, and I'm of Apollos and and I'm of Cephas and, and and he says was Paul crucified for you were you baptized in the name of Paul so Paul is dealing with that right here and I believe firmly that the reason why they were breaking off into factions was for the simple fact of the, uh, preaching in man's ability. Now, for the simple fact, I believe that because in verse in chapter number two, verses one through five, Paul said, "And when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech nor of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of our God." He said, "My speech and my preaching was not enticing with the wisdom of man's words." He said, "For I was with you in weakness, fear, and in much trembling." So the apostle Paul wasn't an eloquent man. He wasn't an eloquent, an eloquent orator. 
he wasn't a, a skilled uh, person at speech, and much maybe like Apollos might have been. I believe the, the Corinthian church had a problem with Paul's delivery because he wasn't this uh, eloquent man that maybe that Peter might have been. But he said this, that your faith right here, that he, I was with, my preaching was not enticing with the wisdom of man's words, but that, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so that's the same thing for us today in our faith. So our faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, and not trust in man's abilities. There is no power within me, outside or separated from God, that is able to do an amazing work for you in your life apart from Him. It's not, it's not in, it's the, the power is not in the man. The power is in what's inside the man. And we'll go over that here in a few minutes. But in verse number 5, he says, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But right here, after the comment, he says, But ministers by whom ye believed. And I want to say this to you and I that are here tonight, that we are only vessels that God chooses to operate through. That Peter and Apollos, he said, Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos but ministers by whom ye believed as the Lord gave to every man? We're only vessels that God chooses to operate through. In John chapter number 2, when the master turned the water into wine, he, 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 turned the, he used the water pots of stone. And the brother covered it a little bit ago and he talked about the servants and he made reference to the water pots. But I want to I I touch on that for a brief moment. And I'm talking about as us being vessels. Now, in John chapter number 2, the water pots, I want to say this, were insignificant until the Master decided to use them. You and I, we're here today, we're worshiping God, and uh, uh, we're here and we worship God in spirit and in truth, and you're preaching the Word and all these things. But if the Master, until the Master decides to use the vessel, then there's nothing that can be done in the heart of a lost sinner. And the vessels were insignificant until the master decided to use them. And for you and I that are here today, we, we, I, think I'd be, I believe it would be beneficial for us to understand, and I know we know this, but I, I just want to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that it, we are insignificant as well unless the master decides to use us. In 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verses 20-21, through 21, Paul writes to Timothy talking about a vessel. And the different vessels, and he talks about there are some vessels unto honor and to dishonor and to earth. And uh, in a great house, there, there's, there's these different kind of vessels. And he talks about if a man will purge himself from these, he's, he, may, he lists those things. And he said, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use. And we as servants need to be sanctified and meet and prepared for the master's use. The master's not going to use you in the same capacity that he's going to use me. And he's not going to use me in the same capacity that he's going to use somebody else. He didn't use Peter, Paul, and Apollos the same way. Each of them were different. And the people of that day were comparing them one to another because of their ability. And they would look at Paul and they would say, He can't preach like that. I mean, do you hear the way? I could just imagine them right now. As Paul's getting up there, he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And so he was not a good orator like that. But, uh, but Apollos would go through there and Apollos could preach a real good message. I mean, he had a good outline. Everything was good. I mean, he was a good preacher. You could say it in that sense, in that regard. But what I'm saying is these men were different. And they were all vessels. And we are only vessels that God chooses to operate through. But I'm talking about when the master turned the water into wine. But not only that, that the water, I want to say this, that 
after the servants filled up the water pots, and this was already pre-written two weeks ago, but after the but after yeah, but after the water pot, we're talking about the master turning the water into wine. But the water pot could not do the work inside of itself to change what was on the inside. And so I want to say that that if there's anybody here that is here and lost today, that there is nothing within you that is able to change what's on the inside apart from the work of Christ. The the water remained water until the master decided to change what was on the inside. And it takes a work of the master using the vessel in order to produce that work and that change. Ephesians chapter number 2 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And it took Jesus Christ to do that who is our foundation. It took Jesus Christ to do that for you and I on our behalf of what we could not do for ourselves. And those of us who were dead in trespasses and sins, who were born again, saved by the grace of God, we understand that there is nothing that we can do inside of ourselves. Titus said, It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy that He saved us. So the water pots could not do the work inside of itself without the work of Christ. But I want to say this also as we still talk about the water pots and how the master changed and turned the water into wine is that the emphasis wasn't on the water pots, it was on the wine. After Jesus changed what was on the inside, the governor of the feast tasted the water which was made wine and what did he do? He didn't say, that sure is a good vessel that's holding that wine. I sure see that vessel right over there, and it's holding the wine. And he did, the governor of the feast did not compliment the vessel. The governor of the feast complimented the wine. And so the Apostle Paul says that we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord, our servants, uh, his ser- our, your servants for Jesus' sake. And so the, the, the ability is not in the vessel, but it's what's inside the vessel that makes it of any importance or significance. And I want to say to you and I that are here today, That it's only by the good grace of God that we're here today, that we've been born again by the Spirit of God. Jesus has done a work on the inside. He's changed that water into wine. He's made us vessels fit and prepared meat for the Master's use. And I can say thank God that tonight I know that I've been fitted for the Master's use. I'm thankful that God has done a work on the inside of my heart, changed my life, saved me by His grace, created in me a new creature, created unto Christ Jesus, unto good works. Has that happened for you today? Or is, are you still an empty water pot vessel with nothing done on the inside? Yeah. Right. Man. But he said, we preach on ourselves, but in 1 Corinthians, I'll, don't turn there, but I'll just read it. 1 Corinthians chapter number, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 through 7, for we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord. It's not the vessel. It's not the vessel that's, that's significant. The vessel's important. I don't want to say it because it was the vessel that contained the wine. But the the significance is not on the vessel. But it's what's inside of it that makes it important. Us outside of the Lord Jesus Christ are insignificant. We deserve hell as it is. But without Him, He said, Jesus said, for without me you can do nothing. But He said right here, for God, that is the Apostle Paul writing, for God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the the power, he says, that that the the sufficiency, the excellency may be of God and not of us. 
So the ability is not in me. It's not about my message, but it's about His message. It's about His cross. Not my, my ability to craft an outline, though I think you should be prepared and not just wing it. What I'm saying is it's not in man's ability. It's in the Lord's ability to do the work. We are only vessels that God chooses to operate through. But I want you to look at verses number 6 as we continue traveling down through here because there's a, I want to deal with the context first in, in, as far as the, of that day, but I want to make application to us. But then he says, I have planted, verse number 6, and Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. So he's telling these people that, that it's, it's, he's explaining to them that we're, we're, just, we're just ministers by whom you believed. Paul's talking about how you planted. He laid the foundation. Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And what we need is for God to give the increase. If, if God saves the sinner, you won't have to worry about where the sinner's been for the last year. Because God will do a work in the individual's life and place them where He wants them. And I'm thankful that God's done a work in my life and put me where He has put me. But in verse number 7, So neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that give the increase. So he's making the emphasis that it's not of Paul, it's not of Apollos, but it's of God. And we're just ministers by whom ye believe. But look in verse number 9. He says, For we are laborers together with God, for ye are God's husbandry, you're God's building. Right here in verse number 10, according to the grace of God, which is according to the grace of God, which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, he says right here, we're talking about Christ being our foundation. I'm going to get into that here in a minute, but I want to keep traveling down through the text. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another build it thereupon, but let every man take heed how he build it thereupon. So not only are we vessels that God chooses to operate through, but we as the Lord's laborer and His vessels are building upon a foundation. Now, Paul says but in verse number 10, Let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. And that question came into my mind, How am I or how are we building upon the foundation? Are we building upon the foundation using wood, hand, stubble? I thought about modern day religious in Baptist circles today. The brother covered it earlier this morning, but I want to cover it again because that's what I have. The, this repeat-after-me gospel builds upon the Lord's foundation using wood, hay, and stubble. You, can't get a, you can get a sinner to intellectually agree with the facts of the case presented in John chapter number 10. Will you believe that Jesus died for you on the cross, don't you? Well, yeah, I believe that. Will you believe that He died and buried and rose again? Well, yeah, I believe that. You believe in John 3.16, surely. Well, yeah, I believe in that. And what happens is, 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 is modern day people get lost sinners who are dead in trespasses and sins to intellectually agree with facts of the Bible and then take them down some road and then say, well, you want, you want to be saved, don't you? Well, I, of course I want to be saved. Okay, well then let me just help you tell God what you want to tell Him. Because after all, I'll help you tell God what you want to tell Him. And if you, believe that you, if you believe that you'd call upon the name of the Lord, He'd save you. Well, yeah, I believe. And then they go over this routine, this repeat after me. I believe both, if, if, if one of them gets saved, I believe they both get saved. Whoever's, getting, whoever's praying is getting saved over and over and over and over because they keep praying the same prayer. But I was thinking about that and how it is building upon wood, hay, and stubble. I had a conversation with a man about evangelism at the Big Baptist Synagogue. I call it the Baptist Synagogue. We had a conversation 
about evangelism and he talked about how he went on a foreign mission trip and uh, he goes on a mission trip and, and he asked me several times about what I believe about certain things. And we had a conversation about evangelism and I know that he prays with people. Now, I want to say this, that I told somebody the other day, if they received salvation the way that I received it, they'd stop doing that. Because the convicting power of God's Spirit is separated away from that. They, they, they take the, the spiritual element of God, taking the Word of God and pricking the heart of man and getting, person, getting somebody to agree with what the Bible says is not salvation. When the author who wrote the Word gets down deep on the inside, he makes the written Word come alive. That's why somebody who's not born again has no interest in what the Bible says. It's not important to them and it's not, it doesn't entertain them because the living author is not on the inside. So that man, we were talking about evangelism and he went on a mission trip. <laughs> he went on a mission trip and he told me that there was a man preached a message. He went with him. There was 300 children. There was 300 children there and he preached the gospel and everybody was crying and there was 300 kids that were crying there and he said, who wants to be saved? Well, then he ra- they all raised their hand. And he says, well, the guy just led him in a prayer. I mean, you got 300 kids here, they're all crying and I mean, he's preaching a good message, they're all teared up and they all want to be saved. They all raised their hand. And he prayed with them, and they repeated the prayer, and he said, I believe that they got saved. And he said, well, what would you do? And I said, well, okay, let's, use, I said, let's, let's go to the Bible for our example. And let's just, another person getting saved, multiple people getting saved. I said, on the day of Pentecost, did Peter, whenever he preached that word unto them, and he charged them guilty for crucifying the Son of God, and did, did Peter have to re- tell them to raise their hand and repeat a prayer and just call upon Jesus? Did Peter have to do that? And he said, no. I said, well, then you shouldn't be doing that either. I know. I know. That's, but, that's, but this is a prevalent battle in, in my day. And it started with Jack Hiles, and now the children of Jack Hiles have grown up, and now they're producing their children. And they wear the same tie you do. They sing the same songs you do. They preach this down you do, but they deny the fundamental doctrine of repentance. And they say that you don't have to repent. But I say to you the same thing that my Lord said to me, that except I repent, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And Christ is our foundation. And Paul says, let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. The repeat after me gospel is wood, hay, and stubble. I stand by that. I stand by that. I stand firm on that. And that is, that is dangerous. My wife did that. Somebody came there. She used to work at a hotel. My wife did that. And he said, you want to be saved? And she went through the entire routine. And she didn't get saved. And I say all that to say this because there's no power in it. Paul said, for our gospel, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, verse number 5, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what matter of men you were among you for your sakes, how that you turned from idols to serve the living and the true God. And that's what salvation does for somebody. They turn from what they are and turn unto the God of heaven that is able to redeem them. We're talking about building upon the Lord's foundation and how that Jesus Christ is our foundation.
we as the Lord's laborers are building upon the foundation. Only that is a repeat after me gospel, a wood, hay, and stubble. Building upon the foundation is wood, hay, and stubble, but high-pressure invitations and altar calls is also wood, hay, and stubble. You, I don't want to say it, but I, I, need, to, I need to say it. I don't want to say it, but, but I need to say it. High pressure. It's Hophni and Phineas. When I go somewhere, I have got, this, this is the mentality, I have got to produce results because I've got a letter going out. I've got this letter that goes out one time a month, and I have got to produce results so I can send this letter back to whoever has got me on the payroll. I've got to produce results. I've got to let them know. You know, the modern day American Baptist church would not support the Apostle Paul. In his letters, you know what he wrote? All men have forsaken me. I have a friend of mine that that sends me text messages every couple days. And there's a church down the road in Oklahoma City that gets 30 people saved every day and 18 baptized. He sends me at about 6 o'clock in the morning. 30 people saved, 18 people baptized. It's high pressure producing results. It is God that has to produce the results. It is the Lord that has to take the Word of God. And for we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord. For for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us, what does He say? It is the power of God. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the gospel, the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. He didn't say my ability. Not in my prayer. Not in the way that I craft my outline. But he says... I have to, it's Paul who's talking about the preaching of the cross as the power of God. But what I, what I mean by that, I'm not saying that there's, there's, there's any of that here. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this is new to me. This is, this is very brand new to me that I'm facing in my Christian life. Y'all, y'all have all been through battles and you've been through wars and battles. But this is new to me. So when you hear about this, you say, well, I've already been there and done that. But for me, it's brand new. This is what I'm dealing with now today, in my day, in my time. But it's Hophni and Phinehas. You know, in Hophni and Phinehas, whenever they were going, uh, forcing someone to make a profession of faith in order to produce results is like Hophni and Phinehas when people went to the temple. They went to the temple, and they, and they, they went to the temple, and they're sacrificing, and Hophni and Phinehas say that if you're not going to give it to me, I'm going to take it by force. You're not going to, I'm going to take it by force and I'm going to force you to make this sacrifice and give it to me so I can add another notch on my belt. But it's not about the reputation, it's not about our reputation. Jesus said, who he be in the form of God, thought it not robber to be equal to God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man and being found fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So it's not the reputation of you and I, but it's the reputation of Him in His cross, in His ability, and in His sacrifice. People come as a result of, we're talking about Christ being our foundation and how we're building thereupon. People come as a result of pressure that's being put on them, but if they don't receive Christ, then they have no foundation. It's not, it's not being mean. It's just telling the truth. They've got to have a foundation. Has there, is anybody in here living in a mobile home? 
I live in a trailer home. Okay? Does everybody know what the difference is between a trailer home and something like Brother Bell's got in the backyard? It's got no foundation. And you can, you can, you can make a trailer home look real good. You can remodel a room. You can tear down the plumbing. You can fix the inside. You can remodel the floors. You can do all this work to it, but at the end of the day, it doesn't have a foundation. They call it a manufactured home. I like where I live at. It's cheap and it's real good. And it's right in my budget and that's what I like. But what I'm saying is, is at the end of the day, it's a manufactured home. You can get somebody to make a profession of faith. My son back there is nine years old and if I want to, I can get him to agree with Romans chapter number 10 and I can push on him to get saved and that's what people do. And people get saved at five years old and then after that, for the rest of their life, they live on a profession of faith that has not done anything on the inside. You can't... Brother Danny was telling me, he was kind of exhorting me today that there are things that we have liberty and we can... I mean, there are things that we can disagree on and still have good fellowship. But the doctrine of repentance is not one of them. If a person doesn't repent, then they're lost. And repentance and faith is synonymous. They work together. And when you repent, you believe. And as you believe, you're repenting. And you can't... You, and by the way, belief is a work. Jesus says, this is the work of God, that you believe on Him whom He hath sent. So what I'm, what I'm trying to tell us is that it's Hophni and Phinehas. Luke chapter number 6. Jesus says, Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. Jesus said, Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings. The Apostle Paul says, But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. And you have to obey from the heart the truth. There is, no, there is no corrupt message that you can believe and then eventually it will lead you up into truth. Paul said that there, there were some that be among you that would pervert the gospel of Christ. And a gospel with no repentance is a perverted gospel, guys. We know, we, y'all know that already. We, we know that. I'm just, I'm just saying it's out there. One of the first things, there was a missionary that came, came by two weeks ago and I wasn't trying to, trying to make fun of him or belittle him, but I pulled him to the side and I said, brother, I just want to know. And he said, what? Tell me. I said, do you, do you pray with people? Do you? Now, I'm not talking about praying with a widow or something like that, but do you, do you Romans 10, 9 him and lead him in prayer? And, you know, because he's a nice guy and you want to support him. But I, I asked him, do you lead him in prayer and Romans 10, 9 and the sinner's prayer? Do you do that? And he said, no, brother, I, I believe in the convicting power of God's spirit to take care of that work. And I said, well, wonderful. This is, I just wanted to know. I'm talking about the difference between a mobile home and a regular home is its foundation. Christ is our foundation. And if a person receives Christ, the Lord does the work. And it's not a work that man can conjure up on his own. I want to, I want to show you verse number 11. So Paul is talking about according to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder. He says, I have laid the foundation, but another build it thereupon. Right here, but let every man take heed. But verse number 11. As we travel down through here, verse number 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
So Christ is our foundation. There is no other foundation. The foundation is the basis or groundwork of anything that upon which anything stands or supported. In Isaiah chapter number 28, verse number 16, the writer thereof refers to Christ as being our sure foundation. And Jesus is our sure foundation. Not only that, but He's also our surety. The definition of, of, of surety is the foundation of security. So again, I began thinking about how Christ is my sure foundation and that how He is my surety. And the definition of surety is the foundation of security. And then I began thinking about how Christ, for us, on our behalf, was made a surety of a better testament. In Hebrews chapter number 7, it says that those priests were not suffered to continue by reason of death. So those priests could not continue. But our Lord wasn't made a priest after a carnal commandment, but after the oath. He was made as as a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So as though those priests were not able to continue, we're talking about Christ being our sure foundation. He is our security. That means that He is our surety. That means we're secure in Him. I'm thankful for that. Jesus was made a surety of a better testament. The writer thereof says that He's able to save them to the uttermost, those that come to God by Him. Have you come to God by Him? Can you say tonight, as you sit in this pew, whoever it is that you are, that you're not trusting in some baptism, you're not trusting in a prayer, you're not trusting in an altar? There's nothing wrong with coming to an altar, but just make sure when you come to the altar that Christ is at the altar. But Christ is our sure foundation, but not only that, He is our solid rock. He is our solid, He's our sure foundation, but He is also our solid rock. And I began thinking about Christ and the pictures of the Old Testament and the references made to Him. And the psalmist said in Psalm chapter number 40, verse 2 through 3, that He hath brought me out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He hath set my feet upon a rock. He has established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God, and many shall see it. Has that taken place for you? Can you say of a surety tonight that Christ is your sure foundation? Or are you standing upon sand trusting in something else that will do no good? I was thinking about how Moses and God in Exodus chapter number 33, how God put Moses in the cliff to the rock. We're talking about how Christ is our foundation. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, he makes reference to Christ being that rock in which Moses smote for the water. And then I began thinking about the foundation of our security, and that is Christ, and what Christ really does for us as being our great high priest and how we are eternally secure in Him. And then I began running references, and I thought about whenever God put Moses in the cliff of the rock. And He said, I don't want to go if you don't go with me. But then Moses said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And God said, no man shall see my face and live. Now, this is, this is before what we heard the other day. We're talking about the book of Exodus. And so God takes Moses and he puts him in the cliff of the rock. You know, whenever you and I get saved, you know what God does for us? He puts us in the cliff of the rock. He puts us in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I don't have to trust in some prayer that I prayed or sometimes somebody called me to an altar. My trust is in the rock of ages. My trust is in the cliff of the rock. I'm so thankful that there was a time when God passed by my way, showed me who I was by nature and what I needed to be by the grace of God. It was Him that reproved me and showed me who I was. I was a condemned lost sinner in Adam. I didn't need somebody to ask me if I wanted to be saved. I knew that God was dealing with me that night. I knew that the Holy Ghost was drawing me. I was convicted in my heart and I was broken because I had broke the holy commandments of a holy God. And so God, I thought about that and how that relates to the life of the sinner. Before salvation, they're on the broken commandments of God. But after salvation, I thought about when God put Moses in the cliff of the rock. Have you been put in the cliff of the rock today? Can you say that, that I know that I'm in the cliff? Paul said, I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded he's able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. I'm so thankful that I've been put in the cliff of the rock. I mean, and God put him in there in John chapter number 10, verse 28 through 30. John says, I give unto, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my Father's hands. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. Jesus said in John chapter number 6, That all of the Father given me shall come unto me, and I will know him, and I will in no wise cast out. Has the Father given you to the Son? Or have you come as a result of some pressure that a man has put on you? You really need to think about that. You need to consider that. That needs to be something that you're meditating on. Have you come to Jesus Christ by, by way of the Holy Ghost drawing you? Or have you, are you, have, did you, was there a time whenever you came to the altar as a result of some man putting pressure on you? This is real serious. You need to think about that. Did God draw you by His Spirit? Did He convict you and show you who you are in Adam? This is very important. So what I'm saying is God put Moses in the cliff of the rock. Moses didn't just jump up in the rock. I'm saying that God did the work for Moses on our behalf. Christ is our foundation. I'm almost done. It's not going to be too much more longer. But not only is He our sure foundation and He is our solid rock, but He is also our precious cornerstone. Turn to Isaiah chapter number 28. It's okay. I'll, I'll run a reference. Isaiah chapter number 28. Let's just look at it real quick. Isaiah 28, look at verse number 16. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth on him, or he that believeth, shall not make haste. So not only is He our sure foundation, He is our solid rock, but also He is our precious cornerstone. Is Jesus Christ precious to you tonight? Is He, is he before you know Him as Savior, He is not precious to you. There is no intimate connection. There is an intimacy that you share with your significant other that other people do not know about. And when you know Christ, there is an intimacy with Christ that you share with Him in a spiritual connection that lost people do not know about? Do you have that intimate connection with Christ? 
Is He your precious cornerstone? Have you believed on Him? I thought about the definition of cornerstone and it said it is the stone which lies at the corner of two walls and unites them. 1 Peter chapter number 2, verse number 7, He says, Unto you therefore which believe He is precious. So I thought about Christ being my sure foundation. I thought about Him being my solid rock and I thought about Him being my precious cornerstone. There's a necessity to and steps to laying a good foundation. In order to lay a foundation, first you've got to dig deep. You've got to dig deep, and then you've got to put your footers in. And you've got to pour that all in there, and you've got to get it nice and deep, and it's got to go in there, and you've got to have that form set just right. And if it's not set just right, over time, it'll crack, it'll wobble, it'll move. But if Christ is your sure foundation, over time... You don't have to worry about cracking, moving, wobbling, or going to the sign, or going wayward. You'll never have to get it lifted, and you can rejoice in that. So I thought about that, about Christ being our foundation. And it was a blessing to me how He is my sure foundation. I can rejoice in that. I can depend on that. Can you say, before I'm done, I want to hurry up and get done. I want to hurry so Brother Jimmy can get up here. Can you say, though, that not I? The psalmist didn't say, I brought myself up out of a horrible pit. I set my feet upon a rock. But he said, he brought me up out of a horrible pit. He set my feet upon a rock. He hath established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth. For the person that's not trusting Christ, I goes before all that. I hope today that you're trusting in the sure foundation. You know, the wonderful thing about the good grace of God is that you don't have to leave here lost. You can receive something today. The rich young ruler had a decision that he could make and he decided of his own will to leave there lost. You don't have to do that. You can trust in him and believe in him. Let's pray real quick and then we'll turn the services over to the pastor. Our Father, we do thank you for your love and your care. Thank you for your forgiveness and your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to your word. We know that it is you that does the work. We know that man cannot do the work, but it is you that does the work. Pray that you'd help us, give us wisdom and grace to live faithfully for you in this day. We rejoice. We're so thankful. And we pray that you'd help us now. Please help Brother Jimmy as he comes after the pastor, and we pray that you might work a work in our midst. We do thank you for the meeting, the time, the fellowship that we got to have one with another. Pray that you'd help us now. Forgive us for our our lack of of uh, our lack of skill. We pray that you would just give us wisdom and grace and help us in the days and times in which we live. May you do a work here today, Lord. Please, please. We we're so we're so feeble. We're so feeble, and there's there's nothing that we can do without you. And Lord, you know that we desire to see souls be saved. But Lord, we don't want to push that work and try to produce results of our own self for the sake of numbers, for the sake of a reputation or a testimony. But we pray that you would help us and that you would do that work. Forgive us now. Thank you for your love. Pray that you'd help us in Jesus' name.